Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was, whom he was angry for forty years? Was it not those, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if to, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Skip to Hebrews 4 and verse 8 from there. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who, ha- who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just, ad- just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, there's a reason it's there. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is enabled to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. I want to talk this morning, I, I don't know if you were around last week when I spoke on desperate measures, and we talked about the fact of the Israelites coming out of captivity in Egypt and Moses leading them out of this time of captivity. And the message last week, and this is kind of, in a sense, you could call this a follow-up, but I didn't plan it to be, but I just really felt the Lord lead me in this direction this week to speak on this particular subject. 
And last week we looked at the fact that the, the Israelites in Egypt, they came out of this captivity and it was an amazing thing when Pharaoh released them. And it, it was a, a day of jubilee, I would imagine, as they, they felt this release of captivity from where they were. And where they were, when, when they left, sorry, and they came out of this captivity, one of the things we see, and it's just been mentioned in the scripture in Hebrews 3, is that we see that actually, although they were held captive in Egypt, one of the biggest things that began to actually make them captive afterwards was disobedience and sin. They were so happy when they were released by these human captors, should we say. But I want to talk today about one thing that is far more gripping than what a human can do to you. And that is sin itself. The disobedience to God. Their biggest problem was not Pharaoh. Their biggest problem was sin. Because the moment they went on the journey with Moses and Joshua and they were going around the wilderness trying to be, uh, get to the promised land. Let me tell you, it wouldn't have took as long as it did, would it? Really. It shouldn't have took all those years to do what they did. But it's because of their disobedience they kept going around in circles. And they never really got to where they should have been. So actually the truth is although they were released from their captors who were telling them to do things and beating them saying make these bricks with, with straw, without straw and do this and do that and making life hard for them. Actually when they went into the desert and they were wandering in the desert their sin was far more gripping than that in particular time and moment in their life. I don't know about you today but sin in our lives, there's many churches probably don't want to speak about sin and the difficulties of challenges as challenges with sin. But I want to talk today about it because I believe it's important to God and it's important that we observe and spot these things quickly so that we can live the life without being gripped and in our own prison from these things. I don't know about you, but my, my experience and knowledge of sin and the things that come into our lives and attract us and take us off course with God, that actually that they never seem to happen overnight. It's a, it's a process that begins to permeate into our lives and begin to take us on a down, downward spiral. And I don't know, many of us sometimes we think that the devil is going to come and bring something into our lives and that's it, we're just going to tip over the edge one day. But actually, the enemy is far more subtle than that. That he starts off with things that will lead us away. Slowly lead us away until we found that we're so distant from God. And there is a wall between us and God. How many of you know that Jesus came to break down the divide of sin? He came to reconcile us back to the Father. Sin is the thing that breaks our relationship. Many things happen over a short period of time. I love the song, if anyone has heard this song, by Casting Crowns. There's a song that says this, it's called Slow Fade is the song. And the chorus says this, it's a slow fade. This is speaking about sin. When you give yourself away, it's a slow fade when black and white turns to grey. 
Thoughts invade. Choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. The writer of Hebrews that we've just read offers an approach. He's saying effectively this. He talks and refers to the children of Israel who are coming out of captivity. He says this, that the sin, the things that they were bound in, that they never entered the Sabbath rest. Now he's not talking about a Sabbath actual day, but he's saying that they never truly understood the rest that they should have gone into. Because of their disobedience to sin. They never understood this and their disobedience led them far off course. But the writer of Hebrews gives us an option out. It gives us a new way. It tells us of the new covenant that we have in Jesus. You see this, sometimes when we do go off course and we distance and we feel so far from God. There are people here today, I believe this, that you can come in this building, you can sit and listen, we can worship Jesus. But we feel so distant from him. We feel so far away. And I'm talking to the people today maybe who, although visually it looks like we're close up, actually we're really far away from God. We're really far away from where he is. In a case of incest in the church in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5, they said, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. The reason why I say that is this. They want to get rid of this man out of the church because of incest in the church. Particular sin that he was doing. But look what it says. that So that his flesh, he would be restored. His soul would be restored. God is interested sometimes in the journey where you're distant away from him. When you feel like you're so wrapped up in sin. That you get so far away. That when you're like this, that God can actually do something still in your life. You probably don't feel like he can. But distance from him, sin that creeps into our lives will create an opportunity for God to restore your spirit. And I want to encourage you today that if you feel distant from him today, we're not saying that we're throwing people out of the church just like they did here with with this case of incest. But what we're saying is this, that God in his distance away, in your distance away from him, can restore you. title of the message today is this, distance learning. Distance learning. I want to give four keys today, four keys to freedom in God. I believe that you can learn something when you're so far away. Some people give up. They say, God, I have gone too far. I know what it was. I've tasted the joy of salvation. In fact, I've lost the joy of my salvation And now I don't feel like there's any way back. And some people walk away from the faith. But I want to encourage you today. This message is about actually that you have the greatest opportunity to return. I mentioned last week of the prodigal son. I said when the prodigal son, he wanders off and he goes off on his own and he does his own thing. That the father, if you read the story, is waiting for him to come back. He says that the father runs. If anyone's running today, the father wants to run to you. You don't have to try and get back to him. He's running to you. Four keys to freedom. What do we learn when we're far away from God, when we feel our sin as separators? Number one is this. Have a repentant heart. 
have a repentant heart. We read earlier, it says this, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Did you see that? He says that we, sh- if we have an unbelieving heart that's caused by sin, if we have this unbelieving heart, it will in, in turn eventually will lead to us turning away from God. When our hearts become so hard, we'll eventually turn away from God. Avoid it. Avoid a sinful, unbelieving heart. You see, sin, he says the wages of sin is death. But sin eventually in our lives will build up so much that eventually you'll not feel like wanting to come to church at all. You'll not feel like praying. You'll not feel like doing anything because it wraps us so deep. And do you know the next thing we begin to do? When we begin to have an unbelieving heart, once we were a, a Christian on fire for God, now sin creeps in and all of a sudden we have this unbelieving heart. Do you know what we are eventually? We're atheists. You say, no, 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 I'm not an atheist. I meet many people on the streets that tell me I'm an atheist. And I love to talk to people who don't believe in God. That's the whole reason why we're here, isn't it? To encourage them. Not to condemn them. But listen, eventually when sin gets so wrapped up in your life, actually what happens is this. You begin to act like there is no God. An atheist is someone who acts in their life like there is no God. We're an atheist. We're acting. Listen, if you really believed and had a heart that believed there is a God, this is what you'll do. You will f- seek after righteousness. You'll seek after the good things of God. And I want to encourage you today that if your heart is beginning to be hardened by sin, eventually it will bring unbelief. And unbelief will lead to you turning away. We begin to act like there is no God. It's important for us to repent. To repent and turn 360 degrees, whatever. Turn away from our sin. To walk in the other direction. To get away from the things that are wrapping us up and taking us down. There are many churches out there today who are preaching a message of this called hyper grace. You may have heard of it. It's a new thing. Hyper grace. Well, most things are not new. They're just reinvented. Most things have been around for years. But let me tell you, there are churches today in this, in our nations and around the world that are preaching a message of hyper grace. And you might believe in this. But it says that we can, we can do the things. We can just keep on sinning. Jesus has paid the price for our sins. So we can just keep on living as we want to. Because he's done what he's done on the cross. And it says our sins are forgiven. That's it. It's done. Therefore... We can just, in fact, if we sin, the more we sin, it will glorify God more because it will make Jesus look greater. If we carry on doing what we're doing, if we try to trust in ourselves, we're going to fail. Listen to me. Jesus did pay the price on the cross for you. He did pay the price on the cross for all of your sin. But it's important that we repent daily. If you don't, you will find that eventually you will follow into an unbelieving heart. You see, many people do this. Our children, when we when they do something naughty, we tell them, we say this, say sorry, say sorry. And I'm, I'm asking them constantly, say sorry. And eventually they do, and you think, oh, glad they've said sorry. But actually you think, has that really made any difference? 
Elton John sung a song many years ago. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Has anyone heard that song? Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Well, let me. T- I think he got it a little bit wrong. Because I think sorry sometimes is actually the easiest word. Repentance is the hardest action. That's what he should have sung. I'm not sure it rings as well, does it though? And on the piano, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'd have got it as good. Sorry seems sometimes to be the easiest word. Repentance is the hardest action. To turn away from our sin, to go in the opposite direction is the hardest thing to do sometimes, but it is the best thing you'll ever do. It is the way to lead yourself back into God's grace. Listen to this. Speaking against that hyper-grace message, Romans 6 verse 1, Paul clearly defines that we should avoid sin on a daily basis when we're saved. He says this, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? This is Paul asking the question, shall we keep sinning so that grace looks can increase on our lives? Hyper-grace. Then he says this, verse 2, he soon realizes, wow, that was a bit silly what I've just said. He says, by no means, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In other words, we have to die daily to sin. We do this by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We do this by the power of the Holy Ghost in us to live a life by the spirit, to crucify the flesh. Listen, you're never going to be perfect at it. If I said, you might turn around to me and say, well, if you're saying that, then it means that until I'm not going to be truly saved, until I've defeated everything in my life. No, the Bible doesn't say this. He says that we should seek after righteousness. God is looking for a heart that seeks after righteousness. He's not counting our sins against us. He's looking for a heart that's repentant, that wants to change. What I've preached on this before, that Paul says, sometimes I do the things that I don't want to do. But these things I keep on doing. In other words, he hadn't fulfilled it. He'd not done what we're talking about. He couldn't achieve perfection. There is only one who achieved perfection and he's Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He's the only one. So listen, I'm not here to preach at you today saying, listen, you need to get everything in order and get everything perfect. I'm telling you today that this, that Jesus paid the price for your sin. And he says to, when he met the adulteress, he says, go and sin no more. What we need to do is this, by the power of the Holy Ghost invested into our lives, it gives us the power to choose righteousness. It gives us the ability to choose righteousness. The enemy wants to creep in and take you down. Very, very quickly. I had a, a, a recent thing that just happened to me. I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to tell you a little story of how I believe subtly the enemy comes sometimes to, to take us and to avoid us opting for righteousness. Just a few days ago, I went online and I saw some cameras for sale on Tesco's. I was thinking I could do with a nice camera to take on holiday, take a few snaps. And I went on to Tesco's and I saw these prices of a camera. I thought, that looks too good to be true. Most things are, aren't they? But, you know, I just thought, no. It's, it was so cheap. I just thought, that is unbelievable. That cannot, Tesco's, every little helps. But, wow, this is not little. This is a lot. This is a lot. Have, have they got this wrong? I'm buying. So I bought several. I bought one for my dad. I'm buying them for my friends. I thought, I'm going to buy them for presents. 
Tesco's, I'm thinking this is, and, and honestly, this is where I felt. I'm going to tell you the truth because it's good to be honest, isn't it? But I'll tell you, when I did it, I thought, this can't be right. This cannot be right. These prices cannot be right. But I bought these cameras. The, the amount of these cameras, if they were really what I believe the value when I looked afterwards, they were probably in the value of another thousand pounds above this. And I'd spent nothing. And I thought, this is just... So I, I, I sat, I'm thinking I can collect these. It says that you can collect them from Tesco's tomorrow after four o'clock. Listen to me. I thought, wow, I've got some great gifts here. I've got a great camera. And immediately the Lord said to me this. He said, son, turn to Proverbs 21 verse 2. So I read that. I don't know. You, you might well bring it up. And I looked and it talks in Proverbs about dishonest gain. I thought... Oh, are you sure, Lord? I mean, this is an amazing deal. Tesco's loves to help. And, you know, we saw what, you know, when we saw, we reap things back, Lord. And, and I just felt that the Lord said this to me, said, don't, don't, don't do this because although you know deep in your heart that this is probably a mistake on their part. So I gave them a call and I gave Tesco's a call and I really, I really didn't want to, you know, I was struggling with this. I really didn't want to. I wanted this camera. It had Wi-Fi. It connected, it connected with everything. It connected with my phone. I thought, Lord, I can, oh, if I don't get this, all I can afford is, is just a little uh, throwaway one. And I, and I look in and, I, and, I, and listen, this is what happens. The, sometimes, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Subtly the, subtly the enemy wants to take you to, to make you avoid choosing righteousness. Phone up Tesco's and tell them that you'll give them all back. So I phoned up Tesco's. And I spoke to this gentleman on the phone. And he says to me, yes, they've all been dispatched. And I said, is this right? He says, no, he says, the, pr- the price was wrong. The price was wrong. It's too, far too low. He says there was a mistake made. I don't know if it's an automation or a person, but someone has put those prices in. There's a massive error and they're all wrong. I had five cameras in my basket. Well, they were, they were being delivered. A guy was driving them to Bar Hill. And I'm thinking, man, imagine Christmas. People's faces when they see this, they'll think, wow, he can bless me. And I looked and, and, and this man says to me, yeah, they've gone. And he said, and I said, so what, what's the, what's, what happens with that then? He said, they're your cameras. I said, what? He said, they're your cameras. He says, we've made a mistake. It's not your fault. You've, you've bought them. You've seen the deal. Yet it is actually too good to be true because it isn't true. But we've changed the price now. These cameras have gone up way in price. I'm talking so much higher. So then I'm looking thinking, and he said this to me. He said, uh, he says, the thing is, once they're dispatched to you, he said, the contract begins between us. He said, if you look at our terms and conditions, and he read the terms and conditions, it says 14.3. He says, you will find in the terms and conditions that if we've misguided you on the price and you purchase them at that moment, the terms and conditions suggest that you have every right to have the cameras. They're yours. We have no rights to take them back from you. <laughs> Come on. This, is ama- this just gets better, doesn't it? Does anyone love terms and conditions when they're on your side? I mean, no, most of the time they're on the opposite side, but this time it's like, oh, ha Tesco's, come on then. I'll see you in court. 14.3, read it. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give them grace. Tell them that they don't have to be bound by their terms and conditions and they can have every one of them back.
don't let them don't let them see that righteousness prevails. So immediately, I just said, listen, mate, you might think this sounds crazy, but I am a born-again Christian. And the God has been speaking to me this morning about this purchase. And he must have thought, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, listen, just stay with me, mate. It's worth it. You're going to get some money. And I said, listen, I said, I'm telling you this said because God revealed in my heart that I should give all these back to you. And I know that you've got terms and conditions, number 14.3, that say this. And I know that I've got the rights and I know that you're bound by those. But I want to release you from that and say to you, you can have them all back. Because actually, you've lost out. And I don't want anyone to lose their job. I don't want anyone to lose out. At the end of the day, that is not my money. It's yours. So I said, I'm, re- I'm saying to you, take them all back. And d- this is what he said to me. He said, um, he said, listen, he said, I want to say to you that you can, he says, I have never heard anything like this in my life. He says, you have just changed the whole perspective of my day. This was the manager. I asked to speak to the manager. He said, you've changed the perspective. He goes, I have never heard this. He goes, I've had a terrible morning. And he says, people do not do this. He said, people all morning, I've had problems. He goes, you have changed my day. He said, you've changed my perspective because you've given me a hope in humanity again. I goes, forget humanity, hope in Jesus. (laughs) Mate. Humanity, I was about to keep these cameras 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Don't look at me. Listen, I'm telling you this because it's good to tell the truth. I'm telling you this. Look, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get tempted to walk into to these things. And I'll tell you that. And I thought, all the time I'm thinking, are you making the right decision here? You could have a nice camera. And he said this to me. He said, the next thing he said, he goes, listen. He goes, I think, he goes, I'm going to go and speak to the manager and the team now that deal with all this. He comes back, phones me back. And he says this. He said, I want to say to you, he said, I, I admire so much what you have done. He says, I cannot believe it. He says, so much so that I want to tell you that you can have one of those cameras when you go he says just give back four and keep one I said to him okay (laughs) you know really that doesn't make any difference to me because the family just don't get one but I still get one you know so Listen, this, I'm going to tell you the truth. So I put the phone down and I says, are you sure? He's going, yes. He's going, we would be so pleased if you took it. We want you to have it. He's saying this to me. I'm saying, are you sure? He's saying, yes, we want you. He says, because I've never seen anything like this demonstration of what you've done. Because you've made my day. He goes, I want you to have one. He says, because, he says, we, he goes, even if we lost, he goes, this, he goes, you have given back. He goes, and you didn't need to do that. So I said, okay, well, thank you very much. And I put the phone down. And I thought straight away, the Lord spoke to me again and said, phone him back, tell him, I know he's busy, but phone him back and tell him he can have that one back as well. I thought, are you sure, Lord? I'm just going to go and pray for a little bit in my bedroom just to check this one's right. Because if I can see this as a blessing, you know. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you've not given anything. You've not done anything. All you've done is took. Give it them back. Show them true grace. So I phoned him back again. A woman answers. She says, he's really busy. I said, can you tell him to phone me back again? So this is like the third or fourth call. This guy must be thinking, what does he want now? I've given him a camera. He phones me back and he tells me, and he, and he says to me, what's wrong, mate? I said, listen, I really want to tell you, I, I've thought about it again <laughs> and I don't want the other camera and I'm really glad that you've offered it to me, but I would be happy for you to take all of them back. I said, I don't think it's right for me to have any of them. He said, are you sure? 
He says, honestly, you really don't want that? I goes, no, no, no. I want you to cancel all the orders, take them back. I says, because I believe it's right to do that. I says, and I want to just, I want to show you to, to bless you. And so then he says to me, do you want a cheaper camera? Can I give you anything? And he starts to offer things to me. And I said this to him. I finally said, I don't want anything from you. I said this. I said, listen, if I do this and I seek after righteousness, my God will bless me in his time. He'll bless me in his time. I said, thanks for what you've offered. I says, but he will, he'll look after me. And so I put the phone out and he thanked me. And he was, I'm telling you now, that was better than any miracle. That's, that's also just as good to show righteous deeds. Seek after righteousness. The enemy comes so much to draw us away from the subtleties, lead us in, till eventually we'll be doing these things all the time. And eventually we'll be camera experts with that many cameras around us because we, we get subtly drawn in by the enemy. I told you that because I want you to see the subtlety, the slow fading which which the enemy comes in and makes something look so, uh, which was at one time black and white, becomes grey, grayscale, dots. You can't really see the difference because you're thinking, you, t- you turn your own righteousness in your own eyes. But I left there and do you know what? I felt so happy when I put the phone down and I just, and I, and I said to myself, Lord, I said, your righteousness is better than 16 megapixels. Your righteousness is better than Wi-Fi on that camera. I'd rather have my camera I've got and seek after your righteousness. Amen? We've died to sin. We should die daily to sin. Put it to death. Otherwise, it gives us a hard heart. He also said this, that we should encourage each other daily. Encourage each other daily. I want to encourage you to get around people. If we're going to repent, get around people who can be, you can be accountable to. So that we don't hide things from God. Proverbs 28 verse 13 to 14 says this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Verse 14. Blesses the one who always trembles before God. But who, whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. I want to encourage you today. That you'll be blessed if you turn around and repent. Don't seek after the things of this world, but seek after his righteousness. Jesus said, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the best sermons ever. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I encourage you, blessed are those who are pure in their hearts. Number two, we we'll have to quickly go through now. Rest in God's grace. Number two is to rest in God's grace. The writer said earlier in Hebrews 4, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. In other words, God made the world, we believe, in seven days. However, you want to look at that and the concept of understanding what a day is in God's eyes. It refers to this as an example that said that they never really entered into that rest. I want to talk to you just for a few moments on what it means for you to rest in his grace. You see, you can turn away from sin, but there's also grace on on offer as well. Grace is there to sustain you. Grace is there to tell you that I'm not condemning you every moment. And that you cannot do things by your own works. The problem is that most of us, each week, when we leave church, we try to spend six days trying to work hard to impress God and then come and sing a few songs on Sunday to think that that's it, we've, we've done it. We've achieved it. We impress our way back out of this trap. But listen, Jesus did not die for you, for you to try and do works. 
all the time to try and get yourself out of this position. He gave you grace as well. And I believe so many of us come on Sunday and we treat church like the temple tradition. It's like we do six days and then we come for the cleansing at the church. We think when, you know, when, when Chadira starts leading worship, I'm going to feel great. And I know that my sins are forgiven because I feel great in his presence. But I know Monday morning's terrible when I get to work and the challenges that come and the temptations that come that I feel like I can't get through the week. So I'm going to wait till Sunday again when it feels really good. And I go into the temple of the Lord again. Listen to me. It was not designed for you to live like that. This church is no different to your room, wherever you are, when you're at work. You can access God all the time. It's not about this building. And we've got to get it out of our minds because the enemy does this. He twists the Old Testament and says to you, look at what they did in the Old Testament. You need to really live like that. Come and and, and, and base this church. And the church becomes your own saviour. You come each week and you think, when I get into the presence of God, that's where Jesus really is. And that's where I'm going to feel this forgiveness. Listen to me. You are not designed for this. You need to enter into his rest, the Sabbath, every single day. The Sabbath is free for you every day. When you leave here today, when temptation comes, the Sabbath is there. He says, enter into my rest. Don't be disobedient. Don't try doing things to impress and work six days a week and coming here. Listen, live in my grace seven days a week, all the time. Listen, this is, if you get these kind of views and you get this kind of mentality, it's the enemy. The enemy wants you to get into works and treating this place like Old Testament. We are in a new covenant. It's the covenant of grace. It's the covenant that says you have got freedom to live dead to sin. And when you do sin, come to me with a repentant heart. Don't just say sorry. Say, Lord, help me and I'm going to try and turn away. And that's what he wants. Paul writes in Romans 5.17, God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, we should reign in life with it, he says. Through The one man, Jesus Christ. I love the words he used, reign in life. I don't know if you feel like you reign in life on Monday mornings. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes when everything's going wrong and all our world's crashing down around us, all the sin, we we fall into another sin and we're saying, Lord, I can't get out of the grip of this one. We don't feel like we're reigning in life. Because we're trying to do it by our own works. But Jesus is him. Paul said, we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Not us. We need to get out of this attitude of coming to the church for that Sunday rush of the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. Listen, the Holy Ghost is with you all the time. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. The only reason why it's good to come here is it's good to be together with believers. To encourage each other, like it says in Hebrews, encourage one another. Keep people on the same road. Confess your sins to each other. Don't conceal them in your heart because you'll fall into trouble. On your own, you're not going to get very far. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. His grace today is sufficient for us. Number three, the next key is to rely on Jesus. Rely on Jesus. So many of us don't. 
You see, when we understand that it's not us, we understand that it's not about us, we rely on Jesus. The reason we have grace is because of the righteousness of Christ. He he bought it for us. He purchased grace on the cross. We read it earlier in Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, that's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let me remind you today, rely on Jesus. He is the substitute. He is the new high priest of the new covenant. He is the one who is saying, listen to me. I am intercessing for you day and night before the Father. I love you so much. The new covenant is this, that you have a high priest who has gone before you. He's gone to the cross and died for you. Paid for the price of your sins. Jesus is our substitute. He's our high priest. In the Old Testament, you read it, they had high priests who had to go before into the temple. Jesus is the one who has gone before us. He says the curtain was torn in two so that you can go through into his presence. I don't know if you've ever seen when you watch the programs on TV, films, and I always think it's funny when they bring in someone into the interview room when they've done a crime, and they sit them there, and this, and, and this poor guy has probably got no money, and they said to him, we're gonna, and we ask, they ask some questions, where were you on this such and such a day? Where were you here? And they're trying to find that information, and I always find it really irritating when the person's just saying, no comment. It's not good TV, is it? No comment. No comment. And you're thinking, well, please say something. Just tell them where you were. No comment. Then eventually, when no comment, when he gets a bit wound down by no comment, eventually says, get me a lawyer. <sighs> At last. Get me a lawyer. And then you think this straight away. I always think this when I look at the poor guy who's probably done a burglary. He's trying to steal money and they're saying, where were you? Because he's got no money. And he says, get me a lawyer. I think, how's he going to pay for the lawyer? He's got no money. Who's going to pay for the lawyer? Do people just walk in and somebody's got to be getting paid? This lawyer must be getting paid to represent him. Let me tell you this. Jesus is your lawyer. He is the one. You might be rock bottom in sin sat there in the interview room. And the accuser of the brethren, Satan, is saying to you, you did this, you did that. And you keep saying, no comment, no comment, no comment, because you don't know what to say to him. Because you know that he's got you wrapped around his finger, saying to you, you cannot live for Christ. Look at you. Look at what you did on this such and such a day. Look at what you did then. You cannot live for Christ. And then you say, get me a lawyer. He says, where? He says, he's paid for it on the cross. His name is Jesus. He come and sit in here. Then Jesus comes and sits next to you. And then Satan begins to accuse you and keeps saying, yes, but he did this, he did that, he did this on this such and such a day. And Jesus says, no comment. He's covered by my righteousness. I paid for it all on the cross. The the lawyer fees have been paid and his sin, her sin, has been paid for. I want to encourage you today that you have... A lawyer to represent you in the courtroom. And his name is Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. Day and night he intercedes for us. 
He longs for us to be drawn away from sin. I love that fact that you have got someone right now interceding for you day and night when you find it really difficult. He says that Jesus was tempted in every way. He understood what it is to be tempted like we are into sin, but he did not sin. Therefore, I'm going to look to the one right now in heaven who is interceding for me. I'm going to look to my lawyer, Jesus Christ, and there is no fee to be paid. Hallelujah. So many of us, we just can't face tomorrow. We can't face it and we give up because we're saying, I can't do this on my own. I used to sing a song when I was really young in church. Ralph will remember this one. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. Come on. An amazing song. I like running, I like running, but I also like that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. I want to encourage you that it's not about you. It's because he lives that you can face it, not you. Not because I'm living, but because he lives. Finally, the last key to freedom is to return to God. What do I mean by that? The author writes this in Hebrews 4.16, and we read it earlier. Because of all this, if you understand and you, you see that Jesus is your substitute, you turn, away from, you turn away from sin and you realize that Jesus is your substitute. If you do all these things, Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but... The problem is sometimes is in our sin, we, cannot, we don't feel we have the authority or the right to come to his throne, to his presence. We find the enemy beats us so down that we think that we cannot boldly come before his throne. We, we can come and sing the song. Boldly I approach the throne of God. We can sing these beautiful songs, but we're thinking, boy, oh boy, I can't really. Because really I feel so heavy in sin. I like singing this, but I wish I could. I wish I could get into his presence again. I wish I could get on my knees again and say, Lord, I love coming to your presence, but sin has hindered me. Listen, if you do all these things, it says, let us then, let us then approach the throne of grace. I want to encourage you today. You can return into his presence. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says you can't. He's given you access, the curtains torn in two for you to come in. But so many of us, sometimes we think, no, we can't. I haven't got access rights to get in there. My old job I used to be in, I used to walk in every morning and they had a, they don't have keys in the, in the place where I used to work. They had electronic Kotak systems. How many use those here? Electronic Kotak systems to get into, in and out of work. And I had this Kotak thing with my picture on and you would go in. There's a little photograph on the side and the, I would use this to get access through the door. And in this building of, this building held about 350 people, there were lots of different areas that this Kotak 
didn't allow me to go into. They were shut off to me. So some days I'd be just walking past doors and beep, beep, and it wouldn't let me in. I'd be thinking, I wonder what's in there. But the main thing is it got me through the doors every day. Every day when I went to work. But there was a scary, has anyone met these scary security guards? There was a scary security guard and he was on the door. And every day when I arrived and I walked through the doors, this security guard, he'd say, if you forgot your code tag, he'd say, if you forgot your code tag. And I used, he was called, I'm going to call him Terry. He was called Scary Terry. And Scary Terry was there and I was scared of seeing him because I knew that if, listen, if you didn't have your code tag, he used to say, you need to go home and get it. I felt like I was at school. I thought, is this my job? Or I used to feel this big, you know. And, and, and he would make me feel really small. And he'd say, have you got your code tag? And then if you were lucky, he'd say to you, well, you don't have to go home. I'm going to give you a spare tag for the day. The worst thing was that these spare tags that they had didn't have a picture of me on. No, because they didn't expect me to lose my tag. It didn't have my name on. Do you know what it had on it? It had a picture of the Muppet. A Muppet. Miss Piggy or Kermit the Frog. So you knew that if you were even given this ability to get through the door just for that one day, instead of going home, you had the choice. Do I walk around with a Muppet tag or do I go home? Which one's easiest? I always opted for the Muppet tag. I couldn't be bothered to ride home. And I had this Muppet tag and, and I was so, and any morning I'd get off my bike and I'd be fumbling around in my bag and I'd lose this code tag. I'd think, I can't get in. I've lost my tag. Oh no, I hope Terry's not on today. And I'd walk in and Terry was there and I thought, oh no, no, no. And so do you know what I used to do? You weren't allowed to do this, but I did it because I just wanted to avoid the Muppet tag and I wanted to avoid going home. I used to just creep in behind someone else. I just, just throw something to the other side of the room when Terry, then run, get behind the other person. And I'd follow, the, follow them in and they'd look at me as though, do you work here? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. And I, I would go in past them and just get through the door just as it shut. The problem is then I couldn't go in and out all the rest of the day to just stay in there till the home time. I was locked in. But listen to me. This is what some of us do sometimes. Some of us do this. We feel like we've lost our co-tag. We feel like we've lost our access key to all areas. We feel like we can't get in to, to his presence anymore. So what we do is this. We're scared to even meet the enemy on who's scary Terry. We're scared to meet him because we know that he will start to accuse and say, you've done this, you've done that. So then what we start to do is we start to come to church and we start to go through the door and try to get in through the door just as someone else's. And we're always hiding behind someone else's righteousness. Listen, God doesn't want you hiding behind someone else's righteousness. He doesn't want you hiding behind anyone. He wants you to come to the Savior. He wants you to come to Him. So that He can say to you, son, daughter, stop trying to hide behind other people. Their righteousness is just as filthy rags as yours are. Come and get your coat tag again. You've got full access to all areas. You can go anywhere in my kingdom. Come into my presence. Here's the key. And I want to encourage you today. Don't believe the enemy. Don't get into this trap of avoiding and trying to hide behind someone else. Because Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart today. The writer of Hebrews says we can approach with confidence. I love that word, confidence. You may not have confidence this morning to come before his throne. But I want to encourage you today. There is grace for every single person in this room. There's not one person who is eliminated from it. 
There's not one person, however many times you feel like you've lost your co tag, your key, or whatever you want to call it today, however many times you feel like that, every single one today is saying to you, son, daughter, just pick up your key again and come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to encourage you today that, just as I said at the beginning, that last week I spoke on that feeling of desperate measures, that getting out of that problem in our lives and when things are going is turmoil but listen to me this sin is far more gripping it will slowly take us down and we come become enslaved to sin and fear but jesus says today he wants you to be a slave to righteousness a slave to righteousness hallelujah Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.